Welcome to the Israel Daily News Podcast. I'm your host, Shanna Fold, and I'm here to get you caught up quickly. I've got some top news stories for you today from Israel, and guess what? You're listening, so you're already on top of your game. Survive and thrive, people. Knowledge is the best weapon. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022 in the Gregorian calendar and the 18th of ER 5782 in the Hebrew calendar. Now, let's get to the news. The Knesset is dealing with a devastating blow as one of its members leaves the coalition, putting the fragile 60-seat coalition into a now 59-seat coalition, making it a minority. Merit's member of Knesset, Gaida, or Raida Zoabi, it's spelled with a G, but it's actually pronounced with an R, so Raida Zoabi resigned from her role as a parliament member in a letter to government head Prime Minister Naftali Bennett, who wrote, As an Arab Israeli, she could not support a coalition that is disgracefully harassing the society she comes from. She also said the political leaders of the coalition were preserving its right-wing flank. Bennett, plus Merritt's party members, say they were not expecting this. She accused the government of doing the wrong thing on the Temple Mount in Sheikh Jarrah in East Jerusalem and other controversial items and called the last month insufferable, especially after the death of the Al Jazeera news reporter who was shot dead last Wednesday in the West Bank while covering an Israeli Defense Force raid. Zoabi's resignation comes six weeks after the resignation of Yamina member of Knesset, Edith Silman, and Yamina is a right-wing party. It literally means right. So you've got left-wing and right-wing parties that have been working together here to maintain this coalition, and it's falling apart right now. She says she left the coalition saying she didn't think this was the right place for her either. That was Edith Silman. So Edith didn't think that her party was right enough, and Zoabi doesn't think that her coalition is left enough. So what does this mean for government? Well, ideally, the prime minister should be the head of the majority. And now that his coalition is in the minority, it poses a problem. But it does not technically break things up for the government. So let me break this down for you. The Likud party just last week tried to bring forward a bill to dissolve the Knesset and send the government to elections, but weren't able to get enough votes to pass it. Another option for them is to work on an opposition bill, which would need to go through four readings, and each time it would need to win a simple majority in order to go through. If that doesn't work, the opposition can't try that measure again for another six months. So if they want to do it, they've got to do it, and they got to rally up the support. The news is fresh, and so far lawmakers are not yet discussing, or at least they're not discussing to the media, whether they plan to dissolve the government again. The issue is that even in the opposition, there are so many parties with conflicting goals. And another item you may have had on your mind, if you've really been paying attention to politics and listening to us daily, is that member of Knesset Zoabi just recently accepted the role of Israeli consul, where she was supposed to go off to represent Israel in Shanghai. A spokesperson says that she withdrew her nomination at the same time that she left the coalition. So even though it seems like the government had been trying to push her out, they referred to her as a headache because she wasn't voting with the rest and she wasn't helping her coalition. They kind of tried to literally send her to Shanghai and send her away. Well, now she's not doing either. She's not staying in the government and she's not going to Shanghai either. 
This year's Lagba Omer celebration was different than last year's. Well, first of all, I hosted more than 200 people for a party in Tel Aviv last night. And second, everyone who went up to make a pilgrimage at the gravesite of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai was able to make it down from the mountain safely, unlike in last year's celebration, which turned into a catastrophe with 45 men and boys dying and 150 other people getting wounded. The mountaintop event had a memorial service for those killed, which happened before sundown last night on Wednesday, and each person's name was read out and 45 candles were lit. But then, once the sun went down, the celebrations and festivities started up. This year, fewer people were up at one time on this mountain because there were actually tickets and hours that people were allowed to be present on the mountain for. Two sets of rails next to the rabbi's tomb prevented worshippers from approaching the grave site, and many said that they felt treated like animals because the rails resembled ones used to keep livestock in and out of certain places. In an effort to allow people to take turns, events were paused, including the music, which was shut down between events, and police asked those who were coming up to leave on time, so you were only supposed to be on the mountain for four hours, not the entire night, which is how it used to go. So the idea is that a fresh batch of 16,000 people would come up as 16,000 people would go down. Last year, there were 100,000 people on the mountain. When things got crazy, there was a chaos and pandemonium, and people were literally in a stampede. That's how people died. They were trampled to death. Well, once the music stopped, there were people milling around on the mountain, chatting, instead of doing wild partying like it was in years past. Critics say that the rules put a damper on the mood and paused what used to be an entire night of joy, dance, and music. Sources close to me, personally, I reached out to confirm some things because I did not put myself on that mountaintop. I had a party to conduct in Tel Aviv. They say that it was police themselves last year who caused the disaster by bottlenecking traffic. And we're talking about humans, foot traffic. They say that the happy event was dampened this year and that it wasn't accessible to the public either because government insiders were giving tickets to select people and select rabbis and groups in which meant that the public had less of a chance to buy tickets for themselves individually. He said the atmosphere was subdued, both in raw number of attendance and that it was subdued in joy. He said there was far less happiness due to police trying to assert control. All in all, there was no catastrophe this year and no reports of anyone getting hurt on Mount Maron, which is, if you haven't been with us all week, it's the mountain where Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is buried. And he was a second century rabbi and he is behind Kabbalah and the Zohar, which is a book about Jewish mysticism. A Beersheva man is getting 13 months of jail time for tweeting about wanting to kill former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and his son Yair. At first, the man was given eight months and a 1,500 shekel fine, which is around $445. But the prosecution said it wasn't enough, and they appealed. They said they wanted more. Well, this happened back in 2020 when the man tweeted out, does anyone know about preparations for assassinating the prime minister? Question mark. Does someone know? I'd love to take part. It seems that the time has come. I think we are up to our necks in it. End quote. Channel 12 reports that the prosecutors say anyone who is hiding behind a keyboard should know that before they spew out comments, they can expect harsh punishment in jail. 
An Israeli organization called the Israel Religious Action Center is suing the Bahadrai Haradim website for blurring out the faces of female political leaders in a photo. Now, it's not the way for most Jews, I have to say that. If you're not familiar with Jewish people, this is not the way that it goes for everyone. But there are sects of Orthodox Jews who believe that women's faces should not appear in publications because it goes against their code of modesty. The organization, which is a branch of Israel's reform movement, is asking for 345,000 shekels, or about $100,000 in damages, for what they say was a humiliation for the women in the photo. The photo, which went up in December 2021, shows men and women in government posing in a government office next to an Israeli flag and the women's faces and actually there are quite a few women in the photo and their women their their faces are blurred out the website responded to the claim saying they have no intention of hurting women and that like the majority of Haredi journalism and media they too don't publish photos of women as part of their readers insistence on maintaining the dignity of women. They added that they are just respecting the wishes of their readers and that even those who believe in the quote, live and let live, should understand that this is Haredi media and it's their way of life, so live and let live. It's the first lawsuit of its kind ever filed in Israel for quote, erasing women. We'll keep up with this news story and let you know if this lawsuit moves forward. If you are getting caught up on your Israel Daily News, we'd like you to consider sending over a monthly contribution at anchor.fm slash Israel Daily News slash support. The financial support that we get from subscribers helps us maintain our show and it helps us to continue to grow and try to reach new audiences. Subscribers will get a handwritten thank you note and a little poem that I write myself to let you know how thrilled we are to have your support. Thank you for your interest in Israeli affairs, Israeli politics, our world politics. We have one link in the show notes which you can click on and that'll take you to the page where you too can make a contribution and feel good knowing that you're supporting independent journalism. So check that out at israeldaily.news. You can also support us by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. Number two, you can share the show with a friend and number three, you can follow us on Facebook at israeldaily.news as well as Shanafold. My name has two N's in it and I'm very sensitive about that. You can also find us on Twitter at Israel Podcast. The Israeli media is calling this the biggest bust in Israeli history. Of what, you might ask? Of human artifacts. So interesting. Hundreds of rare coins, some of them dating back to the Persian and Hasmonean periods, some minted during the Great Revolt, and some even connected to today's Lagba Omer holiday, meaning coins inscribed with the Jewish leader Shimon Bar Kochba on it. The coins were in envelopes waiting to be shipped out when the Israel Antiquities Authority Theft Prevention Unit busted up the pieces from an unlicensed dealer in the central city of Modi'in. In addition to coins, there were also jewelry, tablets, and small bronze statues. A judge permitted the authorities to enter this person's home using a warrant and look for the items. The man apparently admitted to illegally smuggling and trading the pieces when the police entered his home. He apparently purchased these illegally from someone who dug up pits in the West Bank without first getting permission. You're not allowed to do your own archaeological digs. The experts say that the small fish on the ground in the area are nothing in comparison to the big fish with the big money who are behind all of these illegal excavations. 
if any of you have a thought on this, if you, I would love to hear it. I think it's fascinating to have government say where we're allowed to dig and, and what we're allowed to do and uh, which artifacts belong to who and whether the Israel Antiquities Authority should be responsible for art, human artifacts. So I'm, I'm really fascinated by this. If anybody has an idea, go ahead, send me a message. All right. Well, that is it for today's show. Today is Thursday, May 19th, 2022. Tel Aviv has a low of 18 degrees Celsius and a high of 25 degrees. That's 64 degrees Fahrenheit for the low, going up to 77 degrees for the high. Subscribe to the Israel Daily News podcast on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're hearing it from. We are everywhere. Don't forget to sign up to our Israel Weekly News Wrap. It's a newsletter with the top five stories coming out of Israel from throughout the week. I also usually add in a few personal anecdotes so you can get the inside scoop on what's going on in my personal life. And I always mention our professional highlights from the Israel Daily News podcast. You can sign up for that on our website at israeldaily.news. Thank you to Michelle Milner for her social media work. I'm going to send you off today with a song called Boca en Sophie, meaning infinite morning. I got connected to this artist. Her name is Yaara Rof. Sunday evening at an artist singing night in a Florentine rooftop. That's a neighborhood in Tel Aviv. She says in 2020, the whole world suddenly stopped and people found themselves having nothing to wake up for in the morning. She says this song was her way of dealing with that weird reality and that she had to imagine a dreamy kind of morning with romance that nothing in the world could possibly interfere with. I'm going to head out to go enjoy Tel Aviv Cocktail Week, where you're going to be able to get fancy upscale cocktails for half the price. Have a great and productive day and an excellent weekend, everyone. Shabbat Shalom. Pam lo nigma.